know good and damn well you can't judge a dude by running routes in practice. And you're going to sit up there and say with a straight face that Tua, you're going to sit up there and say more accurate than Patrick Mahomes? That's just flat-out ignorant. It don't make no damn sense. I told you, right? Tyreek Hill makes a offhanded comment about Patrick Mahomes and Tua. Red meat. The red meat. Stephen A. going crazy this morning. Four o'clock hours here. Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez. Demons running the show this week. It's Steve Cofield. Let's get into a WNBA, a little WNBA, and also female sports, and also, you know, journalism and delivering the sports news in general. Cindy Brunson is up with Willie and Cofield. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. So I, I actually wanted to pick your brain on this one. I love Stephen A. I love what he does. You know, it's bombastic, and you know, uh, you know. Let's be honest. It's it's appealing to a broader audience. A lot of times, it's. It's low-hanging fruit, but I do find it fascinating, especially uh, covering the NFL now here in town, how often a small quote, a throwaway quote by like Tyreek Hill or last week Devontae Adams compared, contrasted Carr and Rodgers, how often those are turned into like 20-minute segments <laughs> and, then, and then it spreads all around the web uh, on all these other websites. Uh, it, it, these are crazy times, and there's a balance between you know getting attention, getting ratings, but also not misrepresenting what someone said. Well, you have to remember that the NFL is the 800-pound gorilla, and it will dominate the sports landscape no matter what day of the year it is. So that's first and foremost. And second, since I used to share a desk on first take with Stephen A, I can tell you that he loves to get fired up and will find anything, the smallest scintilla of an item that could be a throwaway to anybody else will light him up like a Christmas tree. And the guy that you see screaming about that on TV is the same guy that walks down the street in New York. He is one and the same. He is, he is the same on TV as he is off camera. How hard is it when you're the lead on the show to not take offense to the fact that he might be screaming and yelling over you and at times might just dismiss <laughs> what you're saying? Well, he doesn't dismiss if you come with the facts. Hmm. And there were uh, several times, especially with baseball, that I said, now wait a minute, let's back the truck up, yeah. hold on. Um, and, and he was responsive to that. Yeah. So that was really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's fun. That's part of the appeal, right? You either love him or hate him, and that's why he moves the dial. Somebody who gets fired up when it comes to broadcasting WNBA with probably some of the best vernacular out there is my girl Cindy Brunson. <laughs> Cindy, uh, so you and I obviously have, I mean, we have been close, We, but we've gotten closer since the Athletes Unlimited season, and we've talked endlessly and now with the WNBA season well into it. Got to ask you, the Las Vegas Aces, they have owned this commissioner's cup they've owned the, for the most part they're, they're what are they 11 and 2 but mm-hmm. as you and I have talked about three of those wins came against a bg less phoenix mercury they have also beat the sparks right. twice they beat the lynx the bottom of the western conference they've lost to two of the best teams in the eastern conference connecticut and washington the bench production's a question mark how good are the las vegas aces their starting five, elite. Their starting five can be any group in the WNBA. It's the bench that gets you concerned. I mean, they're running the sparks out of the gym, and with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, KP was still on the floor. 
I was just screaming at the TV, Becky, substitute. You cannot afford, after watching Jackie Young go down with the ankle, you can't afford to lose your other elite guard. Um, so that, that has me scratching my head a little bit. But pound for pound, I mean, Asia Wilson is playing as good a season as she did when she won the MVP. So I just, it's the Aces world and we're just living in it until somebody not named Connecticut or Washington can figure out how to beat the Aces. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And, and the thing is, when you're, you're holding that lead on the road or at home, I, I think it's time to start trying. I mean, you and I both watched Sydney Colson sort of reignite her career. I have a great feature coming out on her later this week for Athletes Unlimited, part of the project I'm working on. But, I mean, she has the veteran leadership. She she can get in there and give minutes. Kirsten Bell, I think, yes. is, a, is waiting to become a star. Um, so I agree with you. The bench has to start seeing minutes. It just has She has to accept the fact that even if you're up by 30 and you win by 10, it's okay because they need those minutes. I got to ask you, we're talking about the Sparks last week. They mm-hmm. let Derek Fisher go. Um, considering the Sparks have a practically a brand new roster, did that surprise you? A little bit, just because Fisher is the general manager as well. So now you've got that hole to fill. And you look at Fred Williams, he was on his way out the door. He was hired by Auburn to be the associate head coach and was going to walk away from the WNBA after more than 25 years of being with the league. And so... We're having that conversation in Phoenix. Phoenix beats them, and then they go home, and Fred is the interim after they kick Derek to the curb. So bananas. Um, and for me, all of this stems around Liz Cambage. Her inability to be as, not even close to as advertised, is killing that team. They don't know how to get her the ball and get the minutes without taking away from NECA, and that was the big problem with the Aces the last couple of years, right? Couldn't get those two big players to play nice in the sandbox because one of them is an issue, and we know which one that mm, is. Yeah. She does not have the last name of Wilson. So, um, <laughs> you got, you're getting Steve right? fired up over here. Right? Well, I, yeah, I, no, I, I, I just I, Because yeah. the Aces are so much better now. You yep. talk about addition by subtraction. That is the only thing that's different because Dan Padover did a fantastic job drafting. The Aces had seven players in double figures last season and should have won everything, and it came down to coaching and managing of minutes and personalities. And so they don't get the title. Phoenix beats them on the way to the WNBA Finals, shockingly. So change the front office, change and insert Becky Hammond, and she loves guards. KP explodes. Young has been fantastic. And everything has a rhythm now, and it has a purpose, unlike before. So, uh, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what the Sparks do from here because I have the fever next against the Mercury, and the Sparks lost to the fever. So, you know it's bad when... We, one of the worst teams in the league has a W on you. Cindy Brunson with us. 
Yeah, I've been talking about it a lot that I th- believe that Becky Hammond and the way they're playing basketball, FIBA-style basketball with the Aces, is the way the league is going to go. And if you're going to build your team and play through a, you know, a big is one thing. You know, when you're when you're 6'4", it's one thing. But when you're talking 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 and you can't get up and down the floor as much, and the other team is running and shooting threes, I mean, the style differential, we see it in college basketball, and I think the WNBA is headed in that direction. I don't know that... Liz is made for that style of basketball where they're going. Liz never has been made for any style of basketball. How many seasons in a row have we said she's playing her way into shape? We are halfway through the month of June almost, and the broadcasters for the Sparks are saying that line. Liz is playing her way into shape. What teams need to realize about Liz is that she is more focused on being a Kardashian who plays basketball than a dominant basketball player. And once organizations recognize that, then they can work around her. Right now, the Sparks were trying to play through her, and that is a recipe for disaster. Well, if there's a player out there that is exciting to watch, and unfortunately right now she's playing through it with a team that still needs some work, but you have had a, the pleasure of covering from your time with the Pac, when you're broadcasting Pac-12 games, and now with the New York mm-hmm. Liberty, Cindy, Sabrina Unescu, and I had a chance to cover her from <laughs> sophomore year up because she came here with Oregon for a tournament, um, a regular season tournament, and then I watched her in the Pac-12 tournament in covering those games. You come out here and broadcast those games. You broadcast from, from your area with Pac-12 games. How special is this young lady? This is the reason why, had COVID not stopped 2020 tournament from happening, that Oregon was going to have won it all. I will die on that hill for the rest of my life. Um, This is the Sabrina Ionescu who was drafted number one overall. We didn't get to see her shine in the bubble. It was a new experience, and she was new to the league, right? Um, And then she had the ankle. But now she's healthy. And Sandy Brondello, who coached Diana Taurasi for years, appreciates a point guard who can not only shoot the lights out, but sees the floor beautifully. And that's Sabrina. So now we're getting to see Saab like we saw at Oregon. And it is fantastic. The fact that she had a triple-double by the end of the third quarter is unbelievable. And she could have had her third career triple-double against the Lynx, but she didn't play after the third quarter. So um, the only bummer for the Liberty is that they lost the game, you know, after she gets a triple-double. But that is Sabrina. That is her in a nutshell. She wants to distribute the basketball. She hunts rebounds. She is a great rebounding guard, and she can shoot the lights out. When she is on from three, watch out. Talking once again to Cindy Brunson, legendary broadcaster, and uh, I had <laughs> so the, the pl- I, I love had, it. I, 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 had, I had the pleasure of writing a story on you during the AU season, and I'm we're going to do a little follow up this summer with this project for Athletes Unlimited during the WNBA campaign. And I thought you might appreciate this in, in hearing this. I don't know if you saw the tweet by uh, CBS Sunday. They tweeted it yesterday morning. Eleven year old. Ellie Dowdy from Amherst, Virginia, eats, sleeps, and talks baseball, but she didn't know girls could pursue a broadcasting career doing play-by-play until she listened to a Baltimore Orioles game called by announcer Melanie Newman. 
Oh, Mel, she's my homie. <laughs> there you go. Cindy, you, you have had, I mean, you have had some great influences, I mean, as far as influences on you, but now you being an influencer toward, toward others. I mean, you know, in this past season with Athletes Unlimited, you became the first African-American woman to be the lead play-by-play person for a professional sports league. Um, just if you can just touch upon, you know, just the grind in 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 this business, in this industry. And, you know, I, I just I got to throw this in there because I had a chat with my mother yesterday during breakfast, and I brought you up because mm-hmm. I was telling her about the conversation we had before I turned in Lexi Brown's story, and it was that second paragraph in the word, and I told her that the only male reporter I spoke to said, yeah, maybe be careful, and then the first person I trusted was Cindy Brunchy. She said, whoa, whoa, hold on, Willie. If we're going to talk about women athletes that want to be treated like male athletes or be equals and just be taught, then you leave that word in there, and that's fine. And I and mm-hmm. I had to tell my mom, I said, Cindy Brunson put me in place and said, no, 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 no. <laughs> you leave your story the way that you had it. That's the way you wrote it. That's the way we say it. Yeah. So well, I, you're very kind, first of all. And uh, the way you describe my career just reminds me that I literally am a blind squirrel collecting nuts. So <laughs> it's been really fun. I am fortunate to be in the position I am, and I had to really pivot when my husband, Steve Berthume, was hired by the Arizona Diamondbacks. We left ESPN, and I had no designs to leave those four letters in the Connecticut area. I wanted to be Linda Cohn and just keep getting those checks and hosting Sports Center and First Take and whatnot. So I didn't have a plan B. And then my husband gets his dream job, and I go, oh, play by play. All right, well, if you can do it, I know I can. So I just put, you know, put my nose to the grindstone, and uh, he was fantastic watching more women's basketball probably than any non-super fan should to help me hone my craft, and uh, I was off and running. And I remember Mel was covering minor league baseball here in the state of Arizona when I first met her, and she, her big aspiration at the time was to be the dugout reporter, sideline reporter for the Diamondbacks. I'm like, nope. Dream big, man. Go big. Don't don't do what something. Don't do something that's already being done. Do something that's not being done. And I just planted that seed. And she went to the minor leagues and hustled and got play-by-play jobs. So that was really cool to see. And that's what I'm telling every woman I encounter now. It's not just the norm that we knew for the last 20 years in television sports broadcasting. We have the opportunity now just by saying and raising our hands, I want to do X, to do something totally different and pave the way for those coming behind us. And so that's what I do now. I you know, get in front of classes in the Pac-12 or on Zooms with my university, and I just say, hey, as a woman, if you don't think you're qualified for a job, forget it. Just apply anyway, because a man would. A man would do it in a heartbeat. A man would apply for a job even if they weren't qualified to do it because that's how it's done. Mm-hmm. So why, as women, don't we do the same? Was I qualified to interview for an NBA play-by-play opening? No, I was not, but I almost messed around and got the job. The only thing that stopped me was I didn't have male play-by-play experience from a men's college basketball perspective on my resume. 
So I went and fixed that over the winter. I did games for Pac-12 and FS1, and I was the first woman of color to do it on ESPN Radio, Big 12 coverage. So just by putting myself out there. So that is how I kind of operate now. I wish I would have done that 15 years ago, although I just don't think the mindset was there for the decision makers to pivot that way, and it definitely has changed. And so that's why I'm always encouraging women, just go for it. Just please go for it. Yeah, the uh, the Raiders have their radio play-by-play job open now because Brent Musburger moved on, and I put out a list last week, and I was saying, hey, you know, stay you know, with Raiders or with local here in Las Vegas, and I, I think uh, Beth Mullen should be one of the top candidates, and she, she, they can't come at her and say, you don't have men's experience, because she does right. Raiders games on TV yeah. in the preseason, she's doing college basketball, um, college football games all over the place, so I, I'd love to see her get the job. Yeah, and the bummer part about that is it's a short list, right? Because there just haven't been that many of us out there doing this. And so uh, it would be awesome if the Raiders, and I believe Mark Davis would pivot this way in a heartbeat because he really seems to get it when it comes to stuff like this, um, to give Beth the opportunity because, wow, what a watershed moment that would be because that's like the last bastion of all-male turf. And (laughs) if Beth could break through, that would be fantastic. Because you look at the dollars that are spent from a fan perspective for the NFL, women drive that bus. They control the checkbook in the household. They decide if the family is going to games, how much they're going to spend, what gear they're going to buy. So if you have a female broadcaster that can relate to the female fan, that's just a total win. Well, if there's somebody breaking ground for sure in this industry, it's been you, Cindy, a great friend to the show, a great friend to me. I appreciate you coming on today. I just retweeted the story that I wrote this past February, and if you're listening out there, we're going to do a follow-up this summer for part of a project for the Athletes Unlimited basketball uh, family that we call ourselves. So, Cindy, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure I'll be talking to you at some point this week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, fellas. Really appreciate it. Thank you. There she is, Cindy Bronson, a former ESPNer, announcing WNBA, and uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get back into the Musburger opening because that'll be quiet for a little while. You know, you realize uh, not all the management is in place with the Raiders. Like, who's going to make the hire? I mean, they still got people around who are doing interviews, but right. you know, they lost a lot of their upper management. All right, rolling on here on a Monday, Cofield and Company. Will Ramirez is the company. We got JBT on the NBA Finals game number five coming up right here on ESPN Las Vegas, shortly after 6 o'clock. Football frenzy, wide receiver theme today, Willie. Yeah. Uh, One, I will not click through the story you sent over because it's one of these stupid slideshows. I'm not going to curse, but I hate them. Yes. Uh, But the story is DK Metcalf, you know, not coming out to mandatory minicamp and where he could be dealt. You would like to see him go to the Packers? That was one. It said, you know, it just said three potential trade partners. One of them that I that I sent over was uh, was my team, the Dallas the Cowboys, Cowboys, for two first round picks. Yeah, the Cowboys really need, How do you need know? to spend. That was the third page, so you clicked through it. Uh, it was the first page. Oh, you know what? The link I sent. I would have never clicked through it. It was the last page of the freaking boycott. Anything that has, I understand their goal is, you know, to spend time on the site. But once, as soon as I see it's a slideshow, I'm out. And uh, yeah, this uh, this site, which is a Seattle fan site, right? I found it intriguing. Here's why I found it intriguing: 
not because it's giving me any kind of info. I just saw the Packers one, and I thought to myself, well, he is in need of a big guy. He is in need of a name. And could DK Metcalf, does he equal Devontae Adams? No. But could he step in those shoes, and could a guy like Aaron Rodgers make him great? Somewhat like we've seen Brady do in New England, where a rotation of receivers have gone through there, and because you have the stature of quarterback you do, it brings up the caliber of play in the receiver. I don't know the answer to any of that. I just know this. I don't believe the Packers are going to be in the market to spend the capital to get DK Metcalf and then ink him to a contract, which will have to be because of what Adams got, what Cooper Cup just got, what Tyreek Hill got, what A.J. Brown got. I'm not paying $25 million a year for DK Metcalf. I'm not, I'm not building my roster on any of these guys who are making – you know, 24 to $30 million a wide receiver. It's not going to happen. So I don't have the Packers made, you know, big, because essentially this is a, this is a trade, but it's really like a, a free agent signing. When have the Packers in their history, recent history really gone out and spent gigantic money on someone? They haven't. They won't even, they won't use a first round pick on a receiver. They, I think their attitude is kind of what you're hinting at, that we have the guy, we're paying the guy $50 million a year. We're going to get you some players. It's your responsibility to make them great. Nah, I don't know about that. But well, the Chiefs are doing it, right? Chiefs, but Chiefs, but got, Chiefs, to be Chiefs, seen Chiefs move. Do it. I think it's going to work. Chiefs move Tyreek Hill. We're not paying you thirty million dollars, and they got some guys on the rebound. Okay, well, I'm I think just it's going to work, and they and they pay and they pay Travis Kelsey good money. Okay, and I'm just going to put this out there that first of all, they have Travis Kelsey, but number two, I think Patrick at, right now, I think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Like he's better, but he's not. It's not in a different world. Okay, but the, but Rodgers is all. Ro- I mean, I, listen. If you want to say he's diminished, I, I guess you. I don't, I'm not going to agree with that. But that, that his whole but, career has been making guys better than they are. I think Devonte Adams is you know one of the true superstars that he's had. You know, kind of that next of level guy. But he's had a lot of guys, Jordy Nelson, and if you go back, Greg Jennings, and you know other dudes who. You know, it's funny when when a lot of those guys went elsewhere. All of a sudden, they became forty catch guys after being eighty catch, ten touchdown guys. That's what great quarterbacks do. That's the whole time Brady had Randy Moss. That was the one big splash. You know what else? Beyond that, every guy do? he had. I mean, I, I mean, when people talk about Edelman being a Hall of Famer, cut it out. You know what else? Quarter, great quarterbacks do what? They win Super Bowls. Okay, Rodgers has won one. No, well, there's a lot of great quarterbacks who've only won one or two. Yeah. There's some who've won none. Dan Fouts and Dan Marino. Okay, yeah. True. That's how we're measuring it. <laughs> I, was, no, I, didn't, I didn't say. Don't that. you get him, I, my guy? I don't like it. I don't even like Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know why I'm. I'm here defending. Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, stick with the wide receiver theme. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Quote. I'm obviously I'm going to go with Mahomes as the strongest arm, but as far as accuracy wise, I'm going with Tua all day. He said on a recent podcast. <laughs> What is he doing? I can't believe he's saying two is better than mom. He said he's more accurate. That's it. That's all he said. Now, we're going to see this play out because Tyreek runs a lot of go routes. The ball better be there. A lot but of- maybe maybe he's right. And then you know, we, we played the Stephen A. cut earlier. It's like, how can you tell that from practice? Like, Because he's catching the ball from him. I, yeah. I don't know. You're right. Game situations are different. But and And here's the other thing. Before we get all angry, players do this. Right? Players do this. 
Like we, um, this is a kind of a deep reference, but Harrison Bailey, one of the new quarterbacks on the UNLV roster, one of his first media availabilities here in Vegas. He's with UNLV now. He said, this group of receivers is as good or better than where I came from. And people are like, SEC, tennis, what is he? Like, I'm not saying he's lying, but it's not the worst thing to say you're around great people now, right? <laughs> Willie lot. is the best company we have every week. Tomorrow, I will be like, John, you're the best. Well, Adam Hill, we miss you, buddy. Today. Today. For today. Damon, Steve, best guys I've worked with today. See? You're buying into this. But, you know, what else do you expect? I mean, and again, this is red meat for kind of low-hanging fruit discussions. One last thing in the football friends, i got to mention this. Um, Cooper Cup signed an extension, you know, upwards of whatever. He's going to make like $28 mil a year. I saw a Raiders fan say, hot take, Raiders paid like 60% of what the Rams paid to the same player. Cooper Cup and Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro is awesome. I do too. But are we really doing this? Is Hunter Renfro as good as Cooper Cup? Well, what a deep sigh. No, but (laughs) I will tell you this that I've been saying since Josh McDaniels was hired. Yeah. We just got done talking about what quarterbacks do for receivers. I will tell you this because of the offense that Josh McDaniels was the coordinator for. Watching what a quarterback did for the likes of Uh-oh. several secondary receivers that were hard nosed over the middle, go get the ball, grind yeah. it out, yeah. dudes. Uh oh. I think that Hunter Renfro is worth every penny that he's getting paid for, and has the potential to put up the numbers. Oh boy, that could rival. We could have another bet. I got to think about this one. We already have the Chiefs minus two and a half oh, wins man, over love, the Raiders. I, I just I love that bet even more. I just uh, Willie has plus two and a half wins. Plus two and a half wins. Raiders Chiefs over a uh, yeah, total total wins for the season. We might have to have a Cooper Cup total receptions. Are we doing? What did you just say? They're going to be even. So you, okay, we'll think about this during a break. Right. You said Renfro could produce just like Cooper Cup. So I I don't know. I'm going to think about it during the break. Maybe Cooper Cup minus two catches. The WNBA season is here, and you can check out our Aces watch parties at Parkway Tavern all season long. You'll be able to register to win tickets in the ESPN Fan Zone for upcoming home games. See what new coach Becky Hammond brings to the team. See your favorites on the court. Just make sure you watch the Las Vegas Aces this season. Be all in and register to win tickets in ESPN's Fan Zone, sponsored by West Star Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Did he not have four months? Your rebuttals to me are the worst rebuttals you've ever had on first take. I stand by what I said. I stand by my reasoning. I stand by my logic. I can't say the same for you. That's what first take felt like this morning, like going a thousand miles an hour. And I don't, Stephen A. in the middle of it's just like, <laughs> J.J. Redick is doing something special on that show. We talk about him almost every week with John Von Tobel. Let's get to NBA Finals game number five. JVT from VEASAN is up. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Also from Cofield and Company. Yes, yes. Well, you know, we like to give, we like to pimp your, uh, 
Uh, I won't say your higher paying job, but I, I will. Um, Main gig. What, what you, do you, you don't know? Yeah, that, there you go. Well, this, this pays. Well, this guest spot doesn't. But anyway, uh, what do you got going on tonight? Because I know you are doing a show that you normally do not do. Oh, yeah. So I'm pulling double duty on the air today. Uh, I got vacation coming up. So I guess uh, my program director, John Goulet, is uh, getting the most out of me. No. Uh, NBA Finals Game 5 tonight. So I'll be on the air from 7 to 10 p.m. tonight on our night show, The Nightcap. Uh, So I'll be on there for a good chunk of that game. And I will be down at Circa. I'm going to get there at about 6 to watch the beginning of the game. Don't want to miss any part of it. So you're in the area. Uh, Come say what's up. I'll be chilling in the sports book until 7 when the show starts. Will you actually see anyone who comes up? It's like a fortress down there. Uh well I mean like before the show starts. Oh, okay okay because um, I was I was was... Da- I was down there a few weeks ago and uh, the the guy Scott uh, Scott's on air was doing it and I was banging on the window and the producers like who is this guy and they they never let me have access to him yeah you weren't doing that no not really I was just kind of staring at him oddly You're taking pictures through seven taking l- pictures and sending them to me seven layers of glass well I was I was really trying to bust on uh, Wes Reynolds who's on Twitter like twenty three plus hours. And he, uh, the guy ghosted me. Wouldn't respond. Coming on, Wes. Yeah, Wes is Wes. Wes. Yeah, Wes. This morning tweeted like, I guess. Um, wow, what's her name? There's a woman who just won um, an Emmy or something like that, and she was mm-hmm. an American Idol contestant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now she's an EGOT, which means what? Like Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, right? Never uh, heard that before. Uh, yeah, yeah and you're talking uh, about I know the term, Hansen. but he retweeted it. It was like, remember when she finished seventh in American Idol five years ago? And I was like, ah, Jesus, like, how do you know these things? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Jennifer Hudson just became an EGOT with, go. a, go. with a Tony Award. All right. Um, all right, well, let's get into, let's go low-hanging fruit, because I, you and Willie both wanted to hit it, and I'm always interested in this, too. Uh, Willie, do you want to ask about Steph Curry and his, his legacy here in these finals? Here we go. No, John, John actually has it on his story list, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I had put, I had sent in the obligatory question: Is Steph is, is well on his final topic? It says Curry is one of the greatest players of all time. There's no doubt about that. I put obligatory question: Do these finals have an impact on his legacy? Just because, of course, everybody has to say, use that phrase. I'm going to sound really mean here. Oh boy! If you have a brain, it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Because. Watching Steph Curry and what he's been able to do, and, I mean, Friday was just the cherry on top of what has been an incredible resume as a player. He is – we call guys game changers all the time. He is literally a game changer. When Steph Curry bust out onto the scene and when he was doing the things that he was doing, all of a sudden the league was scrambling for a a shooting point guard that was playing more off-ball than anything else. Uh, He changed the way that basketball has been played. He is – he has a gravity toward him – to him. Uh, when he is out there on the basketball court in terms of what he attracts. If you're watching what is happening in these NBA finals, in that the Boston Celtics are doing everything possible, staying home with shooters, everything, and they're just, you know what? We are going to force Steph Curry to create 99% of this team's offense. Now, keep in mind, that doesn't mean just points. I mean create, right? So that means attracting defenders, opening the floor up for others, scoring points as well. The impetus has just been on Curry to do almost everything for the Golden State Warriors, and the crazy part is he has almost done it. They are tied 2-2 against one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. There are no other shot creators that can create with the consistency that Steph Curry has. And the fact that people thought he needed a finals MVP coming into this are stupid. But can you imagine if the Celtics go on to win this series and Curry again has two 35-plus point games and losses? There's going to be people out there that will exit this finals and go, still doesn't have a finals MVP. Like, it's... It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. 
that that is still being held above his head. He's one of the greatest players of all time, bar none. I'm not into ranking him. I don't like, don't ask me who my top five is. I don't care. All I know is that he's one of the best basketball players that I've ever got to watch. He is a game changer and he should be treated as such enough with the finals MVP garbage. Okay. So, but speaking of which, I do have to ask you this. Let's say it goes to seven. He just continues the way. Does he garner? Has he garnered the, the, the respect where you have to consider maybe this is the year from the losing team he gets an MVP uh, a nod? I mean, I think so. I, so he's, he's definitely like approaching that Jerry West territory, right? Which is Jerry West, the only guy who's won it. Uh, it was the first year on a losing team. It was the first year. Also, this is the cool, the cool nuggets I found about this. I did not know this. Apparently, not only was it the first year in which they won, they had finals MVP. They voted on it before the series ended. So, like, that was kind of a weird thing that I found out about it. But I would think so, Willie. Like, the thing is, though, like, we haven't really seen that much, like, forward progress with voting a ton. Tim Bontemps was a voter in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he voted for Jimmy Butler uh, to win Eastern Conference Finals in that uh, series, despite the Heat losing, and we know that Jason Tatum won it. Um, I don't know if there's enough people that would look at this and go, you know what, he deserves it. If I remember correctly, LeBron got four votes the year that Andre Iguodala won it. So it might happen. I mean, he's been incredible enough that I think that if he continues along this path, does what he's been doing, they lose. There's not really a strong MVP candidate for the Celtics. Right now, Jalen Brown's in the lead, I would say, in terms of resume for most uh, likely Celtic to win the award. But I think it's more likely than ever, especially since we've seen LeBron lose that finals and Andre Godala winning it, that we could get a loser uh, win finals MVP if they do not indeed win the series. We want trends. Best trends for Game 5. Okay, so trend betters love all sorts of stuff. Trend trends betters also love short sample sizes. So this will this is right up everybody's alley. Uh, but but I am Steve. I am a man who likes larger sample sizes as a large man himself. So I have done the digging for everybody. Although I think these are some pretty well known uh, numbers. Uh, first off, how about this? According to NBA historical data, team that wins Game Five in a best of seven series that was tied two two before. The winner is 182 and 40. So that is 182 wins and 40 losses in the series. So 82% of the time, the winner of this game five will go on to win the series. In betting terms, that is a minus 456 price tag. So needless to say, today is a very important game. Warriors at home, 10-1 to straight up, 8-3 and against the spread. A postseason best plus 15.3 net rating and non-garbage time minutes at home in the playoffs. Very good. The Celtics. In the playoffs, 8-3 and three straight up, 9-2 and two against the spread with a plus 5.1 net rating, also a postseason best, on the road, and a 31-21 straight up, 33-17-2 against the spread record if you include the regular season away from home. So, long story short there, the Celtics have covered 66% of their games away from home if you include the regular season. And last but not least, I'm sure something you've all heard today, the Celtics 7-0 straight up and against the spread coming off of a loss in this postseason. You include the regular season, 27-11 and straight up, 26-12 and against the spread. Damn. A lot of info to digest. Yes, uh, but they're all conflicting with one another, yes, right? The kind so, of, like, yes, you have, like, that's you, a problem. That's why I love trends. Hey, man, I got the best home team in the NBA postseason. I'm going to bet them. I'm like, yeah, well, I got the best road team in the postseason and in the regular season. I'm going to bet them, and they're coming off of a loss. So... Uh, that's why you don't really buy a whole bunch of the trends. I include them because I know a lot of people like them. But I will say there is something to be said of a Celtics team that continues to kind of dig themselves into holes and responds really well. They've played better away from home. They've played better coming off of wins, as we have shown, or excuse me, off of losses. So maybe it's worth something. It's the larger sample size, at least up to this point. Easiest bet of this game. And I will be putting it in based on what you say. Um, Draymond Green. Points, rebounds, assists, over, under, 
21 and a half. I think he kills it tonight, at least by Draymond standards now. Uh, so we were talking about this earlier today. Mike Adams, who uh, covers the NBA for uh, Sporting News, actually recommended that he goes under 21 and a half or the betters go under the 21 and a half. And I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I think to your point, right, like there's maybe like angry Draymond Green, uh, game coming. The problem is, and this is the interesting dynamic of what's going to happen later tonight. Mm-hmm. So we saw Friday, his minutes went down. Uh, you know, we the core three, as we'll call it, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, because they started uh, they started Otto Porter Jr. He doesn't really count. Um, all played over 40 minutes. Draymond only played 33, and he was actually benched for five minutes in the fourth quarter uh, because he, Steve Kerr, I should say, um, opted to go with Kavon Looney in some key minutes instead of Draymond Green. Green's been terrible in this series, especially on offense. He's contributed next to nothing on that end of the floor. And Steve Kerr even said it after game four. I should have played Kavon Looney more in game three. That was a mistake on my part. You see Draymond's minutes go down in game four. Looney's game, uh, minutes go up, and they end up winning that game and winning their first fourth quarter of the series because they hadn't won a fourth quarter yet in this series. So, Steve, like, I, I wonder if playing that over, you're going to get screwed just because Draymond's minutes might get cut into even more. And maybe you get angry Draymond, good game, but the minutes might not be there because Looney has proven himself to be invaluable and you can't play them together. So maybe that hurts you a little bit when you're talking about betting that thing over. Oh boy. I got to find a Kavon Looney prop then. Cause you while you're at, the second like you, the, the second you said your expert recommended the under my over went through. <laughs> okay. Well, I think like with Looney too, like I think he's at like six and a half points and I want to say, he's, don't quote me on this. I have to go look. I think it's like seven and a half or eight and a half rebounds. And I will say this, the one thing, if you're going to play Looney, I would look to play him over his rebounds. ESPN had this great stat, and it shows. Um, when he's on the floor, the Warriors grab 55% of the available rebounds. When he's off the floor, that number plummets to 45%. Ooh, That's wow. a really big difference. of All available rebounds, uh, he makes a massive difference for them. And if you look at game four, they grabbed 55 mm. rebounds. They win the game. They were great. In game three, they were crushed on the boards, gave up 16 offensive rebounds, and got destroyed by, I think, nearly 20 rebounds in terms of like the discrepancy. So Looney's a big part of what they've been able to do in terms of their attack in the glass in game four, and you're going to see a lot of them tonight. So it might be worth playing that thing over in terms of rebounds. You have some juicy series numbers from way back, or title numbers from way back on the Celtics. You're hedging now, right? No. What? I don't think, no. I, I just, look, I have faith in I have faith in this Celtics team. You know, like I mentioned, they, they've done this multiple times now. I think now that I've watched four games of this series, look, Steph Curry's been incredible. And, and Curry is going to be like, if I go down and Steph Curry is the one that beats me, like it's understandable because Curry, again, as we talked about, is one of the greatest players of all time. But I still see a Warriors team that has an abysmal offensive rating in the half court because they can't figure out Boston defensively. I see a team that has won two games in the series, being Golden State, uh, and the only reason they have won those two games is because the Celtics have turned it over 16-plus times and allowed them to get out in transition, make consistent mistakes, specifically in crunch time, but still have not scored more than 108 points in a single game, that being the Golden State Warriors, on the two victories, the Celtics, in which they have you know held onto the ball, shot with some consistency, have dropped 116 and 120 and put up some great offensive efficiency numbers of over 120 in those two wins. If the Celtics play their game, they're clearly the better team. And I believe that they are still the better team. And I still think, as I recited some of those road and numbers and off-loss numbers, that this is a team that responds to adversity. We've seen it multiple times. Uh, They were in a really tough spot against Milwaukee in a game six. And, of course, what happens, because they're down 3-2 in that series, Jason Tatum comes out in that game, drops over 40 points, and then they blow out Milwaukee in game seven. Uh, Miami, they they, they shoot themselves in the foot. They blow it in game six. They come back. They win game seven. I just believe in this Celtics team. So I'm in a position, you know, if 
in the elimination game, especially if they lose tonight back at Boston, I'll get a plus price on Golden State. And if I want to bet it, money line and edge off my ticket, I can. But I don't think I'm going to. I have faith that they're going to pull this thing out. Rumor has it that you will be shaving your head tonight as a good luck charm for the Celtics. You going with the Mohawk, uh, a la Joe Madden? Dude, how great is that? That story? is the one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever heard. What it, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but what is he doing? That's such, well, and here's the thing. So, like, I pictured it was I just picture sad Joe Madden with a dumb like mohawk sitting at home drinking wine and crying, right? Like in a big leather bound chair or something. Like he's gonna be fine. He's made millions of dollars. Yeah. So I think it's okay to laugh at him. A little he loves bit. his hair though. He loves his hair. But but the thing is, Stephen, I told Matt this. I'll, I'll ask you guys. What's stupider, Joe Madden shaving a mohawk because he thinks it's gonna like inspire the team for some reason, or the team after they fire him? playing Nickelback for every single song and mm. still losing the game in some weird way to motivate the team. Like it's just, it's, I just, I think it's hilarious. It's a clown show right now. John, have fun tonight hosting the show. You start up at what? Six o'clock. Uh, I'll be, I'll be at, I'll be at certain sportsbook yeah. watching the game at six, but I'll be on the air at seven. There you go. Vison. John, thank you. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. See you tomorrow, Steve. John Von Tobel every day. He's on at one o'clock. That's his normal show. One o'clock on Vison. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Rolling towards the 5 o'clock hour, right after 6 o'clock, the NBA Finals game number 5. So our poll question of the day, Big Willie style, when Willie's in. I saw this over the weekend. We jumped on it. Best style of pizza. Now, the problem with uh, Twitter polls, you can only really have four choices. So we have another... Uh, New York, which I would call New Jersey because it was stolen. Um, Chicago deep dish. Right. And Detroit pan, I'll call. Do we have to keep it with just those three choices for best style of pizza? Because you, you said of all the foods, because I always say I could, you could give me most foods. I could come up with like 10 things I could eat every day, just that one thing. You know, like I could, I could do a soup. I mean, I'd have like a thousand varieties right, of soup, right, but you right. can do the same thing with pizza. Pizza is your food. Yep. So what's the best style of pizza? New York style. I, I mean, you got to remember um, when I grew up here in 72, from 72 on, um, it, it wasn't a couple of years later uh, that we would leave the Playland roller skating rink in the commercial center and you'd skate down. And there was the little L that where you pull in to the commercial center across from Town Pump Liquors, and it was the original Villa Pizza that Carmine brought here. Now, of course, if you want to open a Villa Pizza in Las Vegas, you have to go through him just to use that name. But, I mean, we grew up on Villa Pizza. It's, it kind of reminded me of the scene in Do the Right Thing. Remember Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing? When Bugging Out's going around telling everybody to boycott Sal's. And the crew that's running around, Martin Lawrence and and the girl and the other guy, they go, man, what you talking about? I grew up on Sal's famous pizzeria. I grew up on Villa Pizza. So I, you know, you got to fold the big the big slice with the grease running down your arm. There's just nothing like it. And now there's there's some places in town. There's very few that serve it up just like that, like it's supposed to be. I think there's dozens that do it. Properly, cutting me off, thank you. That do it right and make. You it said right. only a few places. I think I, dozens is strong. I think I think I could find you eight, nine, ten places that do a good New Jersey, New, New York style pizza. Yeah. You, the, th- the thing is, for guys like you and me, once we find our spot, you zero in and like for instance, 
okay, our common spot, our Italian spot for our bets, right? Like, I'm sure that now as this town has grown in the Green Valley area, in the Henderson area, in North Las Vegas, okay, you probably could find one really good spot like that in every, but for me, I'm going to say, yeah, there's a couple. There's a ton of New Jersey, New York people out here now. Yeah. They're open pizza places all over the place. So the choices on the poll question were, New York style, Detroit, Chicago deep dish. St. Louis was on there, but I refuse to put that St. Louis piece of crap on well, any poll question that we're connected with. Well, that, that, that's that, gar- I'm sorry, that, that pizza's original, garbage. That original tweet was actually it was one has to go. Right, which St. Louis. Is, St. Louis and, was like 99 percent yeah. gone. Like yeah. why even put Every, it on there? I mean, would say maybe that was the bit. Right. But I, I mentioned I just tweeted out other styles of pizza that I would have. By the way, I would put Detroit. Pan pizza up with any thin New York slice. Detroit pizza is friggin' awesome. Yep. But I also did Buffalo style, which is, a you know, uh, one of our buddies makes the Buffalo style pizza. That's more like my grandmother when she owned a pizza place. Yep. That's more like her pizza that I grew up on aside from the the thin stuff. Um, Abit's from New Haven is awesome. Uh, New Jersey tomato pies. California barbecue chicken, which is, you know, in the end, is C, you know, CPK kind of blew that up. Right. That's really good pizza. Columbus style, which I'll have you look into. And I'm just going to throw it randomly out there. It's not a pizza place, but because I eat like a 12-year-old, I actually I actually like pizza bagels. I don't know if anyone makes them at a store, but pizza bagels are good. 